Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. I'm so excited to bring the word this morning. The Lord's put something on my heart. I'm excited about it. I believe it's going to bless you. But first of all, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Melody. You can call me Bishop. (laughs) Or don't. I'm the worship pastor here. I have been for, I don't know how long I tried counting and then I got tired. You know what, COVID felt like 10 years in one, so um, 10 years in three, see, I don't even know. I'm the worship pastor here. It's been a wonderful ride. I love what I do and I believe I'm called to do it. Really cool thing though, this week, I got an award at work. Yeah, I got an award for being the most secretive person in the office. I can't tell you how much it meant to me. Yeah, come on. I am married to the most good-looking person in the world, Kelly Lesmeister, who's gonna watch this later. I love you, babe. Um, The cool thing about him is he's so smart. He tells stories about reading encyclopedias as a kid. I know, so he's the fact guy. He brings me facts all the time. And he corrects all the time as well. Wives, you know what I'm talking about. But I had a fun fact for him the other day, and I'm gonna freely share it with you. Use it if you want. Did you know that before the crowbar was invented, that crows got drunk at home? You can use that, it's the truth. Another thing about myself is I love homemaking, so much so that I was in the, the store to buy a couch the other day. And the salesman said, this couch can fit five people with no problems. And I said, well, where the heck am I gonna find five people with no problems? I did not buy that couch. Would have been impossible to fill. Um, I have three amazing daughters. One is my cheer squad. They're so amazing. The other day, one asked me what it's like to be a parent So I woke her up at 2 a.m. and told her my sock fell off. (laughs) Pretty accurate, right? I love my family. I love having my mom and dad here. That's my mom and dad on the front row. I love living in the same city as them. Dad the other day was telling me a story. Yes, you were. (laughs) He said, man, when I was a kid, I could walk into the grocery store with $2 in my pocket and I'd come up with a loaf of bread, a dozen eggs, and even a block of butter. He said, now there's cameras everywhere. (laughs) And that's a fact. (laughs) I don't always tell dad jokes, but when I do, he laughs. All right, let's get serious. This is the house of the Lord after all. Um, I do love to laugh. It is one of my favorite things to do. I love to be ridiculous and goofy, and I love to make my kids uncomfortable with how ridiculous and goofy I am until they get over themselves and they're also ridiculous with me. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't because we are entering the teenage years. So sometimes they're goofy with me, sometimes they just eye roll. I take both and I think it's a win. Okay, this morning, we are gonna talk about something we've been doing all morning. Praise. Pastor Les. There's no mercy here. (laughs) Pastor Charlotte is so professional, she would have just grazed right over that. But no, not Mel, not Mel. (laughs) 
I'll call you out. Nobody's going to want to know when I'm preaching. They just won't show up. We're going to talk this morning about praise. What we have been doing all morning. And I believe the Lord is going to bless you. He's going to challenge you. We're going to read from Acts 16, 22 to 34 to get started. You'll be familiar with this, but I'm going to read it. Yeah, that's my title. I have a title, everyone. It's that. People of praise. Yeah, that's us. All right, Acts 16, 22. Then a multitude rose up against them. This is Paul and Silas. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. That was a real happy way to start. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors opened, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Amen. Sorry, Apple, I think I have the New King James. I think that's okay. You guys, you guys know the story. So we're going to talk about praise, what it is, what it isn't, why you need it. I wanted to give you kind of a little bit of a word study because I love digging into deeper meanings of words and stuff. I want What I want you to get in this short little portion at the beginning is how big praise is. It is not just the fast portion of worship. And also, disclaimer, I'm not just preaching on praise because I'm the worship pastor. I'm preaching on praise because I, I live this and I've seen what it can do. So I want to give you just a quick little study. This is all from Pastor Charlotte's Enter His Gates course on praise and worship, which is phenomenal. How many love that our pastors, even our founding pastor, Pastor Paul was a worship leader, by the way. Uh, pastor Charlotte was the worship pastor before I got here. They plowed much ground so that I can stand where I stand today. I'm thankful for that. So I want to read you a passage from Ephesians 5, 17 to 20. It says, therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to the God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to give you just a little word lesson on what those three things are, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, because they're actually all different. So if you're taking notes and you are interested in this, write it down. If this is just like lame, go over your head, just pretend you're engaged to make me feel good, okay? <laughs> Psalms is lyrical poetry set to music. It contains reflections and conditions of our human experience in relation to God. Regardless of negative experiences, 
it always concludes with being reflected back to God. We read that in the Psalms all the time. My life sucks, but you're so good. That's the short version. Uh, hymns. The word hymn comes from the word adieu, which is singing to God. These are songs that declare the praise of God and glorify him. They are usually directed at God and get this, they're not dependent on our experience or on our circumstances. Praising God for who he is, not just what he does. So cool that this is what Paul and Silas were doing when they were in jail. Isn't that cool? I find that super significant. If anyone deserved to sing a psalm and say, woe is me, it was them. Man, they didn't know if they were going to make it out of there. But they chose to sing, this is my God. This is what he does. He loves us. Who he is, what he does, what his nature is. That's hymns. Spiritual songs comes from the word pneuma, meaning the human spirit. Um, the word songs, again, is meaning adieu, singing to God. So this is literally songs brought out of the spirit of man to God. So this is letting words come out and we can use our spiritual tongue. We can sing in the spirit or we can sing with our understanding according to 1 Corinthians 14. Pretty cool, hey? Kind of give it a breakdown. There's so much more in the word than just reading it. If you dig in a little bit, there's some really cool nuggets. Okay, now I'm going to give you really quickly, you don't have to write them all down because it would probably be weird, and I don't have them on the screen, but I just want you to know how big praise is. Here's some physical expressions of praise. Different Hebrew words that all mean to praise. Yada, extended hands, or to shoot up your hands. So I'll throw up my hands. We literally were yadawing the Lord this morning. Tuda is an offering of thanksgiving. Um, it's gratitude. It's an attitude, um, thanking the Lord for his deliverance. And this one's really interesting to me. And we did this today in, I've seen you move. You move the mountain. I believe I'll see you do it again. This is actually being thankful for something you don't have yet. Isn't that amazing? This is the type of praise that has faith and assurance even before the victory is there. So today we literally, ta-da, ta-da, we did it. Halal, this means to be clamorously foolish, to boast, to shine, to rave, to act madly. How many get a little slightly offended when somebody yells a little too loud or does a weird dance or, you know, the flag brushes up against your head in worship? You know what? Just back away. Close your eyes. They're halaling. Let it, let it happen. Shabak means to address in a loud tone, to praise, to commend, to give a loud declaration of praise. We also did that this morning. Barak, it means to kneel and bless the Lord. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument. Come on, how many were just like, yeah, when sighted that, that bridge on do it again, when it hits that, no, no, no. He was zamaring the Lord. I love it. Tahila, to sing. This is specifically a spontaneous new song, a song of praise and adoration. We also did that. When Neil says, sing a new song to the Lord, it just bubbles out of your spirit to the Lord. You tahila the Lord. Pretty cool, hey? So it's a lot bigger than just saying, because you are good. Kate, the tempo was up. That was the praise. Now we're going into worship. We're down here. It's so much more than that. Praise is not a feeling. And let me just, full disclosure, from a worship team perspective, just because we are up here praising and leading doesn't mean we feel it. 
we choose to praise. It's a conscious decision that we make and it is not circumstantial, I guarantee you. Because I know everybody up here has praised through, through some of the hellish times of life and they've chosen to. You probably would never know that because by faith, they get up here and say, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. So it's a, it's a choice. And that leads perfectly into my first deep revelation about praise. Okay, we're going to get real personal, personal time with Mel. Praise is a sacrifice. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore by him let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice implies a cost, right? And we actually don't really like that term. We like easy, we like comfortable, we like doing things when we want on our timetable. Um, sacrifice implies a cost. Anybody can come and say, praise God from whom all blessings flow when all the blessings are flowing. That's easy. That's entry level. Entry level praise. And you should. You should praise him when the blessings are flowing. It is from him. But how about that scripture that says, in all things, give thanks. Not for all things. Thank you, Lord, that I busted my baby toe the other day. I legitimately did. Darn it, that hurt. <laughs> I don't thank you, Lord, that I broke my toe. Well, I don't know. See, I'm a little dramatic, aren't I, Ella? I am. Anytime anything like comes near that toe now, I'm like, oh! But I'm not, I'm not thankful for the pain of the toe, but I'm thankful that I have a toe and I can walk. But in all things, we give thanks. Um, what about coming to church and praising when you don't have any money in the bank and rent is coming out tomorrow? When you've been praying for a health miracle for goodness knows how long, still, still don't have it in your hands, can you praise then? What about when your kids have left the Lord or they're not living the way they should? Can you still praise then? Sacrifice of praise. It costs something. And I always say, if I can't think of anything to be thankful for, I, not always, I'm starting to say, I go back to salvation. If I'm looking for a reason to praise him, I start there. Jesus, if you never did one more thing for me, you've already done enough. Your precious blood has washed me. I'm, I'm going to live with you forever. Like, I don't have the guilt of sin hovering over me anymore. Start at salvation. Work your way up. I promise you, you'll find a million ways he's been faithful to you. And you'll start praising him regardless of what you're facing. There's a part of King David's story that I so love. I love the fact that the Bible is full of imperfect people that mess up. And God keeps redeeming them, keeps loving them back. And King David's one of those guys. If you read in 1 Chronicles 21, I'm not going to read the whole story, but he's messed up yet again. And he's in this process of reconciling and he's asked to buy a plot of land and build an altar to the Lord. So he goes and he finds the piece of land he's going to put the altar on. And he's like, dude, I want to, I want to buy your land. I'm going to build an altar. I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord. And of course the guy is like, you can have it. You're the king. And David's response is what I want to pull out. He says, anybody familiar with this passage? He says, no, I will certainly pay full price. 
because I will not offer to the Lord something that cost me nothing. Do you feel that? Like he knew, he knew what he had done and not that we have to come and like, oh, I'm so bad, I need to pay back the Lord. No, but you know when you're half, half praising and you're just kind of going through the motions. I love, I love that line in that song, I refuse to go through the motions when the king is in the room. I will not offer to the Lord something that cost me nothing. So how do we praise when we're in pain and how do we praise when it feels like the opposite thing that we want to do? Come on, my soul. Man, we did it all this morning. We tell our souls, like David said, why are you downcast, my soul? Bless the Lord, soul. All that is within me, praise his holy name. He's, it's not just a pretty psalm. He's commanding himself. He's stirring himself up to praise the Lord. I think some of us, mm, yeah, maybe all of us have let our emotions and feelings run the show. What? For far too long. And we wonder why we walk around looking defeated, anxious, full of fear, heavy, and useless for the kingdom. Too harsh? I'm saying it because I have done it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I command my soul to praise the Lord. I believe that we need to create a new default setting of praise in our life. Praise must be a regular discipline or it'll never be your response in trouble. Praise must be a regular discipline or it'll never be your response in trouble. Paul and Silas had a praise history. You know how I know that? Because it was their go-to when they were in trouble. If they hadn't praised the Lord before, they would, certainly wouldn't have praised him when they were beaten up, naked, shackled, left for dead in the most secure little thing in the prison. I know they had a history of praising the Lord. But praise, here's the cool thing about praise is it's never results driven, it's relationship driven. So they weren't even praising, hoping that there would be a prison break. They were just praising because the Lord's worthy and they loved him. Isn't that powerful? So start working on your praise history. Continually offer a sacrifice of praise and decide beforehand what your go-to will be. You know, you can do that. I have conversations with myself lots. You can actually decide, you know, if this were to happen in my life, I really hope that I would react this way. Or I really hope that my go-to would be this you know, how about I make some pre-decisions right now? No matter what, he's good. Here's some absolutes of my life. And when the, tr when the trouble hits, those are gonna be the things that I hang on to. Those are gonna be the things that enable me to praise. And it's never too late. David said this, Psalm 73, 28 in the Amplified. As for me, it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in, in the Lord God and made him my refuge that I may tell of all your works. I've made you my refuge. I have decided you're gonna be my hiding place. You're gonna be the place I go. The Lord showed me this picture a while ago. And you know, there's lots of like prophetic pictures that we hear and it can be kind of confusing, but I'm gonna share it in such a way that I hope you understand it and feel it. But the Lord brought me back to several moments in my life. 
Now these were not pretty moments. These were dark, lonely, broken, scary moments. These were the moments I felt that I was so broken I didn't know if I'd actually ever recover. And you guys have the privilege of not seeing those moments, <laughs> which is lucky for you. Um, but I know we're not all squeaky shiny in here either, so I know you've had some of your own. But he showed me these moments, and even just thinking about them, writing that on the paper, I could feel the moment again. I could feel the hopelessness and the, the devastation and the loss and the destruction. And the Lord showed me these specific moments where I chose to praise him. And I'm not saying this to make myself look good. It was not pretty. I chose to praise him and I wasn't asking him why. I wasn't asking him to fix it. Honestly, I didn't know if it could be fixed. I wasn't looking for a miracle, a solution, nothing. I just offered him up the squeakiest, ugliest, snottiest little song that would come out. Whatever came out, I offered it to him. And he showed me several of these moments when I made that choice. And then I saw him on the throne and he was holding this bowl. And it's like all of those moments were in that bowl. And he was smiling. And he said, these ones are ever before me. Isn't that crazy? It wasn't the, the beautiful worship set that Mel led. It wasn't when she led at that conference. It wasn't, you know, when anybody saw you and gave you a pat on the back. No, these were moments that nobody has memory of except me and him. And those were the ones that he was breathing in like incense and taking delight in. And for him to say to me, these are the ones that are ever before me. And I know the only way that I could ever do that is because I have created a history of praise with my Lord. And I don't say that to brag. I say this as part of my testimony that I have known the Lord my whole life. And you know what? I just want to encourage anybody that's been in the church their whole life right now. And the flame has gotten a little dull and you don't think you have a testimony that's worth sharing. This is to the praise of his glory. I have known the Lord since I was born. Since I could speak, my parents taught me who he was. Since I could sing, they taught me how to praise. And you know what? I celebrate that and I'm thankful for that. And I know that the Lord knew I needed that because he knew some of the stuff I was going to walk through. I needed to have a history built so that I would know what to do. And let me tell you, the Lord is so faithful and he's so redemptive that even if you weren't born and raised in a Christian home and been praising him, you can start now. You can start now. And literally, the history starts from this very moment. You start praising him. You start creating a rhythm of constantly lifting up and exalting his name. So in the moments of greatest loss and pain, I knew what to do. But I still had to choose. And I'm not saying I chose right every time. But he showed me the times I did. These were the sacrifices I brought before him. Let me just tell you, when you least feel like it is when you need to praise him. It is a direct opposite of the roar of the lion 
the the like a lion. You know, in first is it First Peter where he says the enemy roars around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Did you know that when you engage praise? Do you know Judah means praise? We sing the song, our God is the lion of Judah. When you engage with the lion of Judah, the lion of praise, you release a roar that's King Jesus on the inside. And it is the exact opposite of that counterfeit roar that the enemy. So when you engage praise, man, you're calling in the big guns. So when we say like, there's a lion on the inside of you, there literally is, his name is Jesus. And he is the lion of Judah, the lion of praise. Hallelujah. Why is sacrificial praise so important? Because praise anchors us to eternity. Um, Charles Spurgeon says, praise is the rehearsal of our eternal song. Isn't that beautiful? Let me read you some passages about the eternal nature of our God. Isaiah 44 verse 6. The last half of it says, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Psalm 93, 2 says, your throne is established from of old. You are everlasting. Revelation 22, verse 13 says, I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. Even reading those just just makes me remember how temporary life is in a good way, how short this little piece is. Now that can terrify you. And I think we all actually need to walk through that process of does the shortness of life terrify you? You need to wrestle that out with God. It can either terrify you or it can light a fire to spend every breath you have on what really matters. See, the world will pass away, my flesh bag will pass away, but the hope of glory that's on the inside is eternal. It doesn't pass away. I know, flesh bag. Gotta admit, sometimes that's the best description for it. I have a hope on the inside of me that compels me not to waste a single moment. When I engage praise, when I praise him for who he is, I partner with a higher reality, an eternal reality. I have the short window here on earth to magnify the Lord. I have the short window on earth. Here's something that is so crazy. I have the short time here that's voluntary praise to the Lord. When we get to heaven, it's going to be involuntary. Guarantee it. The glory is going to be so thick. And you know what? For some people, I had a sense that for some people, that is a total drag to even think about. Heaven is going to be praising God always. I hate singing. Can we be honest? Have you ever thought like it's going to be a pleasant little sing-along around the throne and like I want to go to heaven because I don't want to go to hell, but I certainly don't want to be in a eternal praise service. Actually, my suggestion to you is start praising here. Start choosing to praise. Um, you will begin to discover the God who you're praising and you won't want to do anything but that. I promise you, the more you discover of him, the more you want to discover of him. He is amazing. So here and now, what's the story of my life going to be? 
Am I choosing to rave and boast and be clamorously foolish about how good he is? Or am I boasting about my problems? Am I concerned about the cares of life, families, careers, education, accomplishments? All good things, all good things. Or am I fixed on the eternal one who outlasts them all? See, it's all right to be thinking about those things. That's, we live in this world, but if it's consuming everything, we need a priority shift. We need to start praising the one who outlasts all of that. First Peter 1 and 3 to 7 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by, by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is so good. See, God doesn't owe me an explanation for not doing what I want him to do when I want him to do it. He doesn't owe me an explanation for not answering the prayers the way I want him to when I want him to. He's not a vending machine. I don't put in a little praise, get a little something. I don't, you know, throw up a little prayer, get a little something from him. It's not how it works. I'm sorry. Like that's a bubble that needs to be burst and it's been burst in my life. Can I still praise him when I don't have my answer? Of all times, that's when I need to. See, we sing these songs, um, Raise a Hallelujah. And it's such a great song. Raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. Oh, that's such a great line. Till you're in the mystery. Till you got some unanswered prayers. Till you got some big, big mountains in front of you. Can you praise in the middle of the mystery? Can you? Oh, I hope you can because it brings so much freedom. Praise you in the middle of the mystery. Embracing the mystery of God has been the journey of this year for me. I got some stuff that's not answered. I got some healing I'm waiting for. But you know what? He's been closer in the mystery than I ever could have imagined. I couldn't imagine he could be this good. And I really, really love that line now. I raise a hallelujah right here in the middle of the mystery because you're worthy right here in the middle of the mystery, just like you're worthy when I got it all figured out. In fact, more so right here because I'm choosing and it's a sacrifice. 
real life. And the more you look at the problems anyway, the bigger and more impossible they get. So you may as well lift up your eyes and praise him. If for nothing else, just stop looking at your problems and your stuff for a little bit and see what happens. Our momentary troubles in life cannot compare to the greatness of his glory. They cannot be. They're not even worthy of comparing. So I will not trade my eternal hope just because of momentary discouragement in this life. In this life, you will have troubles. But who has overcome the world? He has. What has he made you? More than an overcomer. So right now, we offer him praise and it comes with different flavors. If you look at it as like a, you know, throwing spices on the offering of your praise, you know, sometimes it comes with different flavors. And I think that's what makes it so special. Right now, Lord, I'm praising you. And there's a little, there's some spices in there. I got a spicy praise today because I, um, I'm actually kind of doubting that you're going to come through for me in this area. But I'm still going to praise you. And I'm going to bring it all to you in the middle of the mystery. I am facing, you know, whatever, what are, I lost my job. So I'm going to bring all of that and I'm going to flavor this offering of praise with it. And I'm still going to sing, all my life you have been faithful. Because he's still faithful. He's still good. Earthly circumstances do not change the goodness and faithfulness of God. He's so worthy. So I'm going to flavor my praise with whatever I'm walking through. Does that help somebody in the room? Like you don't have to have it all together to praise him. And let me tell you, I believe that when you do praise, no, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Turn her back, Mel. There's miracles, there's signs, there's wonders. Let me tell you, the benefits of praising the Lord are great. But remember, we praise him because we love him not because we want something from them. How many have had a, a friend or a relationship like that? That's just lame. Like they're super nice to you, but all they want is to borrow your car or like super nice, but they just want to like live in your basement for a month or like, I just feel like all those compliments are not really. <sighs> yeah. The next one, praise is a gate. David, no, it was Pastor George that opened with this. Psalm 100 verse 4. Somebody did. Somebody said it. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. This is not talking about your disposition when you come into the gates or the courts. It's not saying, like, when you come into his gates, be thankful. Um, When you're in his courts, throw up a praise. No, it's actually giving you access by doing the thing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. This is a gate that we open. Let's jump to Isaiah 60, 18. I love this so much. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Let that sink in, those two, your walls salvation and your gates praise. This is prophetic imagery again, but let's just let it marinate for a minute. Just envision 
Salvation is the wall. It's God's job. It's a free gift. We receive it. We're washed by the blood of Jesus. He comes in. But gates, that's our responsibility. We choose to open the gate. Okay? We give things access through gates. This is super important, good and bad. Psalm 24, verse 7 to 8 says, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So when you choose to open the gate of praise, who comes in? The king of glory, strong and mighty. You got some stuff, some battles. Who's going to fight them? The answer is the king of glory. So you see how it takes all the weight off? Like it's so, it's so hard and easy at the same time. Like why is it so hard to choose to praise? Because the enemy knows how powerful it is. I open the gate of praise. I begin to get my eyes off of myself, off of my problems. And who comes in? The king of glory comes in. And what is he? He is strong and mighty in battle. Judah is a warring, a warring tribe. They were the ones that were sent out before the armies to praise ahead of the, ahead of the soldiers. I would not want to be on a worship team in the Old Testament. I'm just going to say that. I would not want to be one of the priests... No, no. I'm glad I am here for such a time as this. I do not want to be the first one out. 34, one says, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall be continually in my mouth. I have a funny story. Last Sunday, we sang, his praise will ever be on my lips. I had a friend text me the next day. My daughter asked me why his praise will never be on my lips. I'm like, oh, Never, ever, oh. So she had to make the correction, but she's like, why is the whole church singing his praise will never be on my lips? I'm so confused. Kelly, and we sang I Exalt Thee this morning too. Kelly, my husband, he wondered, does anybody remember Salty, the singing songbook? Any? Okay, um, Salty was a big blue psalm book. It was a cartoon and he would sing and it was a Christian cartoon growing up. But Kelly, poor guy, when we started singing I Exalt Thee, he thought they were saying I eat salty. <laughs> and he was completely traumatized. So there's still some trauma wounds there every time I Exalt Thee comes on. <laughs> you see him in the fetal position over there. <laughs> That's why. Salty is okay, babe. He's, he's alive. He's a book. He's also a fictional character. Um, <laughs> his praise will always be on my lips. The gates are continually open. They don't shut day or night. So does this mean that we're supposed to sing all day? You could. That would be fun. I think you'd be a really fun person to be around. I tell my kids when they're snapping at each other, like, you can argue and say whatever you want to each other, but you have to sing it. <laughs> Try it. Try it. It is so good. You're being such a jerk. 
I wish you weren't my sister. <laughs> it kind of takes the, the edge, the edge off of your, your comments. <laughs> Our house is fun. Praise is singing, it's clapping, it's all those things I said at the front, um, at the front of the, the sermon, but it's also declaring who God is. It's choosing to look to him and trust his nature every day. It's a choice to make every part of my life praise to him. So I can be doing something mundane, but if I've shifted my thinking into this is as unto the Lord, I'm gonna do it differently. If my whole life is to the praise of his glory, I wanna make sure it's praising his glory. <laughs> Romans 12, one to two in the message. I love the way this puts it. And this you could just take and live your life by this. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday life, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that amazing? Fix our eyes on him. Now, a cool thing about this word gate too is gate here also actually means heaven. Epic. I love, I love the word of God. If, when people say the word of God is boring, I just, mm, like just, just go on a Greek Hebrew interlinear search of something and it is anything but boring. Like it means so much. It's so rich. It's such a feast. I know why David says, I love your law. Sweeter than honey to my lips are your words. They really, it's such a feast. So this word gate in all of these scriptures that I read, also means the bottom, heaven. What? Just throw that in there. So when we praise, we actually open ourselves to heaven's realities. Your kingdom come, your will be done, in me as it is in heaven, accessed through praise. So if um, we can let heaven in, the king of glory in, by opening the gate of praise, can we let hell in? No, we can't. Of course we can. The word says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. The Bible also says, I've given you a choice, life or death, blessing or cursing, but choose life. James 3.10 says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. How did God create the world, the universe, us? He spoke it. And it, it breaks my heart, and I'm putting myself in this same bracket that many of us are opening the gates of praise on Sunday and opening the gates of bitterness, foul language, gossip, slander the rest of the week. And it's polluting the well. It's polluting the spring. 
family, it ought not be so. One of my greatest heartbreaks is if anybody would see me outside of this setting and see a different version of who I am and have questions or be turned off to God altogether, how heartbreaking would that be? Oh, here's another gate. (laughs) I'm sure I'm not the only one. The Google gate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I bet you do. Come on. You get a little tickle in your throat. You get a funky mole. And within 30 seconds, you've got your funeral planned. You've got an appointment to write your will. You've got to figure out who's going to watch your kids because you are dying. In fact, you're not only dying, you're dead already. It's a wonder you've lived this long. How many have done it? Nobody's raising their One brave person is raising their hand. Y'all are liars. <laughs> Man, Google is not a gate that is engineered to bring you life and hope. But it is surely good at giving you some fear seeds to plant. That's just for me. I don't know. Maybe somebody came just for that. Don't Google stuff. That's the first thing I tell my friends when they text me. Hey, this is going on. I'm like, don't Google. But then they'll be like, I just Googled it. And oh, no. (laughs) Don't Google it. Okay. When we praise, we invite the king of glory into our life, into our situations. Now, here's a real, really amazing passage. Psalm 87.2 says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Israel or the dwellings of Jacob in that translation. Psalm 22 verse three, it says, you are holy and you're enthroned on the praises of your people. That word enthroned there in the original King James means inhabit. He inhabits the praises of his people. It literally means that the Lord dwells where praises are offered. Not only dwells, he sits, remains, stays there. He loves the gates. He loves the place where praise is offered. Man, that challenged me this week when I was studying this. It challenged me to not bring him some floofy, polished, just to look good, just to check it off my Sunday checklist praise. Honestly, did if that's the place that he says, I want to sit there and stay This is the God of the universe, the one who gives you breath. And he he loves it when you praise and he wants to stay there. Man, I want to praise him with everything I am. Like he never leaves us. Yes, I know. But there's a reason. There's something different when he comes and inhabits the praises of his people. Amazing. He loves the gates of Zion. The next thing is praise is meant to be multi-generational. Second Chronicles 20 is a beautiful story, and we're not going to read it, but I'm going to give you the background of it. It's one of the best, best praise and worship leader stories ever. Because this is where Judah is invaded. That's the title of my Bible, Judah Invaded, Praise Invaded. Hmm? Coincidence? No, I don't think so. Um, Judah's invaded, like, by several armies. And King Jehoshaphat's response is so amazing, calls a fast, Let's seek the Lord together. I love it. I love it. Um, 
they all came and stood before the Lord. And here's what he said. I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So everybody came together to praise and seek the Lord. This is before they knew what was going to happen, by the way. And 1 Chronicles 20, 13 says, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. All of Judah. And I like how it just uses Judah too, because it's praise. Judah means God be praised. Anytime, here's a little tidbit. Anytime you see the word Judah in the Bible, you can put in praise and you get a really deeper, richer understanding of what praise is. It's phenomenal. All of Judah stood before the Lord. So this made me think about the gates I'm opening in my home. And are the gates of praise open open who are declaring the works of the Lord to the next generation? Psalm 145, 4 says, One generation shall praise your works to another and declare your mighty and remarkable acts. Does this mean that every time you talk to your kids, you're singing? No. But yes, sing. My dad. I'm going to brag on my daddy. Every single night that he was home, he sang with me. And you know what songs I sing when I'm facing stuff? Those songs. Do not discount. It is... It is a big deal that your kids know Jesus loved me. You know, as raising them up. And, and if your kids are out of, out of the home and you feel like, I never had the chance to do that, that's okay. Start singing, singing the praises of God to the next generation wherever you can. But parents, don't discount those, those times, those songs. Those shape who they are. The praises of God, one generation to the next. Share your testimony with your family. Tell your kids how great God has been. Do I do that, Ella? I'll give you 20 bucks later. <laughs> Recount the miracles, big and small. Give God glory for being everything to your family. You guys, we got to model this. Even when you're going through stuff. Man, my kids have seen me at my worst. And I, I have asked them, I asked them all this week, actually. Hey, guys, like, before I preach this, I need to know, have you seen me praise through stuff? And praise God, they said yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have scrapped that point. <laughs> Listen to the power of this, though. Psalm 147. 12 to 13, praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. Just leave that up there. If praise is the gate, he has strengthened the bars of your gate. Praise is strength by nature. See, this is somebody who's built a praise history with the Lord, who's passed it, down to the, passed it down to their children, and he has blessed your children within you. And maybe this isn't even physical children. Maybe this is stuff you're meant to give birth to as well. The next verse says, he makes peace in your borders and fills you with finest wheat. Incredible. And what's the starting point? Praise. And the last one, praise is attractive. 
Tell somebody they look good. If you're single, maybe this will be the this will just be the icebreaker you needed. <laughs> Dang, you look good. Man, you are attractive. I like what you did with your hair. Have you lost weight? If it's your wife, don't say that. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. Psalm 147 says, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalm 40 verse three says, he has put a new song in my mouth. Tehillah, praise to our God. Catch this, many will see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. The world needs authentic praise on the people of God. Not people who pollute the spring by looking shiny on Sunday and then being a terrible witness the rest of the week. The testimony of Jesus has been shattered because of hypocrisy in the church. And we all have played our part in that. We all have played our part. I had one quick story. I was going through the drive-thru. This is several years ago. I am far more redeemed since then. Um, I was going through the drive-thru at a coffee place and... I was really struggling with getting my coffee order right back when I was addicted to coffee. I've been set free, hallelujah. Um, And the lady just couldn't get it right. And I wasn't mean, but for myself, I knew I wasn't as nice as I usually am. And I actually did feel a little bit convicted afterwards. Like it was fine, like you say thank you, whatever. But on the inside, you're graded. And so that kind of shows. And guess who was sitting right there? the next day when I'm leading worship. That coffee lady. And she wouldn't have known, like she would have gotten tons of frustrated people that day, but, or whenever, but she wouldn't have known. I don't even think she knew it was me, but I knew. And I was like, (gasps) so you're being watched. Just so you know, you're being watched. Isaiah 61 verse three to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So this is something you actually put on and you look different. The world needs people who show up opposite to their surroundings. How many know that we got a lot of heavy? We got a lot of mourning. We've got a lot of ashes. We've got a lot of under the weight of it. And can I just say this in all kindness, that a lot of times believers are walking around wearing the same robe. They're walking around wearing that same robe of heaviness. How are you? Oh, I'm so tired. Like if you had like that hunchback thing, like that's what your spirit looks like. It's that heaviness. Like, oh, the world is just going down the drain. I can't even believe it. Put on the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness and carry a different nature. That is the king of glory. We have to look different. Man, you have the ability to shift conversation and turn it into praise, sneaky praise. Seriously, you do. Like, yeah, but you know what? I praise because he's sovereign. Praise because he reigns. He's still on the throne. You know, yeah, if it all ended today, that's okay. We're going to be with him forever. I just love that about the Lord. Well, I was just complaining about the government. 
Yeah, you know what kind of government? I know the one that doesn't end, whose throne is unshakable. That's the only one I bank anything on. You can turn things to praise. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon who? You. Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. We are seeing this. And his glory, but the Lord will arise on you and his glory will be seen on you. And here's the attractive nature. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So there is an obligation here, isn't there? We must arise and shine. The Psalm says that those who look to the Lord are radiant and they don't have a shadow of shame. The world needs us to look to the Lord. So what does that look like? It means that we declare he's our deliverer and then we actually live it. We live like he is. If we say he's Jehovah Jireh, we live like we believe what we say. That's praise unto his glory. If we say that he is the center, the center of my life, then our time and our choices and our commitments will reflect that to the praise of his glory. If he is who he says he is, how does that change the way I live my life if I really believe that? Our lives have to be different. Our families need us to open the gates of praise over our homes, and the world needs the glory of the Lord to be evident on our lives. When we look at that, the story of Paul and Silas, I love that not only did they get busted out of prison with chain break and praise, like, yes, but I like a couple things. I like that everybody was listening to them. And I like that the jailer and his whole house were saved. See, that's the attractive nature of praise. It's completely not about you. It actually opens yourself to be filled with the king of glory and be like a shining difference maker, which we're supposed to be. Who could be watching your life right now? And who is waiting for the praise that you're supposed to offer? What if God used that prison experience just for the jailer and his family? See, he's not willing that not even one would perish. He knew Paul and Silas had a praise history. He knew they were going to be all right. They didn't. He did. So here's the big question. What if it's not really about me? Hmm? What if it's not about you? but it's all for the praise of his glory. How does that change how I live my life? Have I limited the power of praise in my life? Have I laughed at or mocked singing, dancing, exuberant praise of others? Have I joined the course on Sunday and then polluted the well during the week? Have I become so fixated on my own problems that I forget the eternally faithful God? Have I led my family in looking to the Lord and magnifying him every day? Have I opened the gate of praise in my life, inviting the king of glory to come in and reflect his glory to a lost world? It's time to put on that garment of praise. Do you agree with me? Yes. I'm going to have the worship team come. Jesus said, um, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself.
he was referring to the cross, that he was going to be lifted up, and that would enable everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So he did the first thing. Do you think that we can lift him up and he can still draw people to himself? If we lift him up, if we enthrone him on our praises, I believe that that attractive nature of his glory draws people in. So we need to put on the garments of praise. Lift our heads, let the king of glory in, look to him and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. We need to join every day in the song of praise. Man, you know what I did in my house a couple weeks ago? Things were getting a little funky. It just didn't feel right. Everyone's a little bitey, including me. I know, that's hard to believe. I'm such a nice person. But you know what I did? I declared a fast of all non-Christian music. Did that just offend somebody? I think it did. I felt it. I declared a fast. And we don't listen to bad music. If, like, lyrically, if there's anything off, it's a definite no-go. But we have fun music. We have party music. We have whatever music. And it's not all Christian genre. But I just said, it's getting weird. So from now, I think it was a Wednesday or Thursday, I said from now till Sunday night, only Christian music on your phone. And if at all possible, only praise. And I mean, I'm not going to do that every day, all day because I like other music too. But there was something that needed to shift in the atmosphere. There was something that needed to clear out and it was almost like, uh, all that other stuff is just kind of useless, weighty stuff and it bogs you down. But as soon as we engaged praise, like the house got peaceful again. Things felt light again. It's amazing. And by the way, praise is not just a, a genre of music. That's going to free some of you up too, because if I don't like Gaithers, then I can't praise. I can't get anything that she preached about. Not true. Praise is what I said. It's telling God who he is. It's lifting up your hands. Did you know you can, before you go into work, you don't even have to say anything because that one that's lifting up your hands, you can just lift up your hands before you go into work and just say, Lord, I just, I center today on you. Today's praise to you. It's, it's actually easier than you think and more powerful than you can imagine. Sing, dance, lift your hands, shout, be foolish even. Man, there's so much power in getting past what you are physically comfortable with because it really then does declare, it's not about me, it's about you. And you've done so much for me. I wanna spin, I wanna dance. Man, David said, I'll become even more foolish than this. He was dancing in his undies. Please don't do that. But he said, because of how good God is and the presence of God, I'll dance even more wildly. He is forever. The praise of man and looking pretty and polished is super fleeting and super fickle. We have to live anchored to eternity invite heaven in and clear the way with praise for others to come to Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's all I got. <laughs> I wasn't looking for the clap. I was just looking for a way to end it because ending is always the hardest. But I did want to do something in the room today. I wanted to invite, issue an invite for anybody that has not asked Jesus to come into their heart because this is the starting point of saying yes to him that changes absolutely 
everything. There's never another moment you're alone. There's never another breath that you breathe, a thing that you face alone. He's with you and he gives you power to overcome. So I just wanna issue that invitation. Is there anybody in the room? And let's just be bold. We're talking about, you know, being bold and raving and bragging on the Lord. If you do not know Jesus in the room and you want this Jesus, this King of glory that comes in, you can lift up your hand across this room and I wanna pray with you. It's so easy and he's so ready. Is there anybody in the room? There's one here. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody in the room? I need Jesus. Yes, brother, thank you for your courage. Thank you, you can put your hand down. Anybody else in the room? This is the starting point, never the same from this moment on. Man, I can't, I can't even imagine my life without Jesus. I can't even imagine my life without Jesus. He's so good. Is there anybody else before we go on? Up in the balcony? Kate, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your courage to do that. So we're going to all pray together in the room, okay? And pray loud. And if you raised your hand, pray loud too. God is so good. And he's ready to invite you into the family. Never the same from today. Jesus comes in. So let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that I'm here. Thank you that I'm here. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross, you rose again, and you've given me this invitation. And I say yes. Come in, Jesus. Come in, King of glory. I give my life to you. You can have it all. Thank you that I'm a part of your family, that my eternity is sealed. Thank you that I can put on praise, that I look different now. No longer dead, but I'm alive. I'm not in darkness, I'm in light. And I receive the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand for that. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.